Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the foreign edition, foreign cor foreign correspondence issue of. Let me start over. That's, that was that was late. <laughs> what am I gonna call it? Good try. Good try. Are, are we still recording? We are, but I can cut this out. All right. So hey, everybody, welcome to the irregular search for truth. <laughs> That's much better. That's much better than mine. I'm Scott, and I'm Sachin, and and we're at it once again. So, uh, so what what's uh, what's on your list? What's what's news item of the month? <laughs> well, there's been a couple, but um, I don't know. Like, obviously, this oil spill just is getting fixed, apparently. Mm -hmm. And like people have already forgotten about it, or at least it's not on the front page anymore. So that's good or bad. Not really sure. Mm. It's kind of funny how like all of a sudden you just want something to go away, like you know, like some <laughs> news item. Like, oh god, I hope they just fix it and it goes away, you know. But you know that it'll never really ever go away, and it's just like horribly damaged beyond all repair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, though they seem to have said. Well, I've heard two things. That one that. They're accusing BP and possibly the Coast Guard of using too much chemical dispersant. Right. And but also that perhaps so that might be bad in its own right. But then also perhaps that uh, that there was a lot of oil eating bacteria or something like that that what? has eaten quite a lot of the oil huh. or you know biodegraded it. So maybe the dispersant was good so i don't know yeah and it's like i mean they, they were they were even saying they captured like most of the oil and like all the oil is gone now and i'm like what are you how is that possible like what about all like those marshes and like the beaches and all that stuff that were completely yeah. like covered in oil like that just fixed now like i didn't realize it worked that well well i think most of the oil was in the water column right like not on the surface yeah, but they were so, talking about all these like tar balls and stuff that were coming up on the beaches, and they had yeah. pictures of beaches coated in sand and all these animals that had died and stuff like that. I remember seeing footage of it, and it was like this really thick kind of soupy. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a uh, it was an interesting color. <laughs> Actually, on my way back from uh, on my way back when I was in Belize uh, a month ago, we flew over the Gulf, and I looked down and I think I saw like little patches of like oil. Oh, wow. It was crazy. And, like, yeah, they were, like, they weren't really black. They were sort of, like, this orange color that you've been seeing in the news. It was just like that. Huh. And it was That's... weird because it was, like, all, like, it wasn't this huge, huge, like, um, slick. You know, it was, like, little clusters here and there, which was, like, almost worse. Yeah. Because it just means that it's all dispersed and, like, you know, just floating off everywhere. And there's, like, there's no way they can catch up all of that. But they probably got, like, a lot of it from right where it was coming up at the surface, I guess. Right. But whatever they well, missed. You know, I think that probably like those spots that we saw, you know, on the news footage where the where it's getting on the um, on the beach and stuff, those are probably the spots that got the most like attention in right, terms of right. getting cleaned up. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things that's weird. It's like if they're saying that you know, oh well, it's pretty much fixed now and, and no problem. Is it something that we can really check up on? Like, right. is, there, is there some, you know, uh, I mean, hopefully there's some, like, uh, non-governmental organization that 
that is looking into that, you know, making sure. But those things, you know, they never have much money here. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of them. Like, I mean, Sierra Club and all those guys, right? But it's like, who are they going to complain to? And it's like out of time, you know, out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. Right. That yeah. happens all the time. Like, even at work, we'll be like, oh, this big problem popped up, blah, 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 we'll fix it. And I'll, I'll put in some fix and I'll be like, oh, this is a temporary fix. We're going to come back and fix it. We're definitely going to do that. And then like three months later, I've completely forgotten what I've done. <laughs> and the new Dolby sound system is totally jacked. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all quality. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's... 18 temporary fixes in it. No, that's, I, I think I remember having the thought that temporary fixes always become permanent fixes. Yeah, yeah, they do. Like, like if if you unless you are going to be content with the temporary fix, this is something I think I I stumbled upon in the Peace Corps. Like unless you're going to be content with the temporary fix, you should really fix it well when you when you actually do it because that's probably going to be the only time you have to fix it. They should come up with a theory of that they should be like the duct tape theory or something like that. Well, I'm sure I'm sure there's already somebody come up with like some like little way of saying it, but uh, yeah, you're totally right. I think, well, for now, let's go with a temporary fix. Always it becomes a permanent fix. Sounds good. Truth number one, check. Just a, just a bad permanent fix. <laughs> it's like that website there, I fixed it.com. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. Oh, it's just like all these pictures of these total, like, hacks. Like, people <laughs> will do, you know, it'll, like, it'll be like a duct tape, you know, like, like your, a cup holder will be like, you know, in a car will have fallen off. So they'll like take some duct tape and like just like wrap it around like, boom, now I have a cup holder, you know. It's amazing that these little websites kind of get somehow uh, popular, whether or not you, you, you know, you say they go viral or whatever. But there's like, there's all these little ones like, uh, like awkwardfamilyphotos.com yeah. and, and sad trombone you know like just like these people you know like somehow they're visiting these things you know it's it's just weird and who puts all these photos on up there yeah i think they just have people mail them in or whatever i think well i think how it starts out is they probably like go around trolling the internet for things that would be good for their website yeah so like this is your resources for all things awkward family photo related yeah <laughs> and yeah. then people start sending in their own you know yeah yeah. There's even a website called uh, CakeRex.com. <laughs> no, it sounds good. And it's all these like horrible cakes that people have ordered, you know, from like the Safeway Bakery or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like, you know, um, oh, like oh, happy birthday, Scott, and then put something about um, being old, you know, and you know that's the that's a call instruction you give them over the phone, and then it'll literally say happy birthday, Scott, put something about being old. <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna show up be like why is this written on this cake like what are you talking about <laughs> and surprisingly there's an entire website populated full of these things yeah I, when, when you said that I thought uh, I was thinking it was gonna be more like pictures from like weddings where like the groom fell into the cake or oh that'd be like good that. too like, but there's there's an idea for one if it's not out there you call it WeddingDisasters.com. Yeah, I'm sure there's already one of those, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, if there isn't, there it is. I don't know if you can make any money on it, but <laughs> I'm sure there's a, lot of those, there's a lot of those pictures. All right, what do you got on your list of uh, 
things to discuss. So the first one I got was one I just I just read about yesterday. I I don't uh, here in the the wilds of Africa. I don't stay up with all the news items very regularly. But yesterday I, I decided to look in and find some little quirky things. And have you heard about this flight attendant? Who totally that was one just, of mine. Yeah, I did hear about that. <laughs> I thought we might both have this one, so I let him begin. Um, but so apparently this flight attendant. Uh, the plane had landed, and and the uh, the flight attendant had gotten over the intercom and said, "Please don't, you know, undo your safety belt or remove anything from the overhead bin until uh, we are safely, you know, docked at the gate." And but then this guy gets out of his seat and he opens up the overhead bin, and the flight attendant goes to like, you know, tell him to put it back and and you know help him help him put the thing back but when he does this the guy the the bag somehow probably depending on who you ask who what happened but the the bag somehow like hits the flight attendant on the head and the flight attendant you know says to the guy hey you should apologize to me for him and the guy curses him out instead and so the flight attendant goes gets over the intercom curses out the guy who just you know whose bag just hit him in the head says thank you, I've been doing this for something like 20 years and that's enough, grabs a beer out of the beverage cart and pulls the emergency slide and jumps onto it and leaves. And then he gets arrested a few hours later. But uh, I just thought that was quite an interesting story. (laughs) Your thoughts? No, it's definitely classic. And you know, like, um, I don't know if that really... His reaction really was a, you know, commensurate with the, uh, the, uh, the grievance that he was, you know, I mean, like, okay, no. you know, it's a passenger and he got hit in the head, but I mean, like, I don't know if he really, the reaction was really on the par of what happened to him, but it's mm-hmm. a good, it's a good way to go out and like to grab the beer is like the ultimate, you know, like. I, yeah, I, I think I, I agree <laughs> to some respect, but I, um. But on the on the reaction not being commensurate, I think very much so. Like it, it I mean, it's very much not uh, the appropriate reaction given the thing. Now, obviously, he had been sort of hating his job for a little bit of time, you know, and it had sort of built up, you know. I mean, I, I, I have a feeling he was not, you know, incredibly happy uh, with work that day. And then suddenly, you know, and then suddenly this bad thing happens. He's just like, I quit. But, uh, but I think that, you know, it was, it was probably uh, a buildup of things. And, and I mean, you know, the thing is that he's kind of become this, this hero uh, on the internet for like, you know, people who, who really want to say, screw you to your job when, when you quit and that sort of thing. And I think, uh, (laughs) <laughs> this is this is me being boring and responsible, but it's like, well, you inconvenienced a lot of people, you know. Uh, and I know, you know, that was that was rough to get hit in the head with a a baggage thing, and then the, and then the guy doesn't apologize or anything. That's terrible. But when you quit your job, I mean, it's better than you know shooting a lot of people, which is what some people kind of do. But uh, but when they get fed up with things, but I, I think. I don't know. There's got to be ways of uh, 
of addressing grievances and, and that sort of thing before uh, before they reach the boiling point. Or just quitting. I, I really do like the take the beer thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about the whole pop the emergency slide and, uh, and you know, inconvenience 100 people. Maybe, and, he, maybe uh, he figured it was his only chance. <laughs> that's true. It's like, when are you that's ever going to go down a, a, an emergency slide, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I don't know I mean maybe maybe it was sort of a grab for uh, for internet fame maybe yeah. you knew there was someone would be reporting about this sort of thing. but I I don't know I mean what do you think about like about that like and and uh, sort of the the buildup of steam uh, yeah I mean I don't on, know it's like thing life is like stressful right i mean like everything is you there's always something to sort of like push you over the edge you know if it's like maybe you drive to work every day and like now you you know you just can't take it anymore or whatever i guess that's just the thing right i can't take it anymore i, I don't know i mean that's just sort of like yeah, I, think, I think if if you're i don't think it's you know if you find driving to work every day frustrating that is going to be what pushes you over the edge i think it's always there's more stuff you know, exactly right, and it's uh, like so you can't really blame the passenger on him because like, every flight I've been on, like somebody, some idiot gets up early and tries to like get his stuff out. Right. You know, yeah. it's it, not yeah. only that, but it's like way worse in other countries. Like, <laughs> you know, like you could fly on United and you fly into Southeast Asia or like India or other, so a place like that where people they don't really have constant lines anyway. And right. it's just like it's just a madhouse. Like boom, the yeah. minute the minute the like the plane's down, people are up in the aisles. You know? yeah. yeah. Let alone when like you're taxiing at like a normal speed, right? Yeah. People are up and they're constantly time. like Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm oh sorry. sorry. People are up and they're constantly like, please sit down. We're not even on the like we're not even off the runway yet, you know, let alone taxiing. Yeah. Like could you just sit down, you know? The concept of the line is definitely a a Western concept, I think. You know, it's uh, of, of lining up there. I remember being in uh, in the airport in Kathmandu, and I had uh, my bags and several bags of people that I was traveling with, and putting them on uh, a machine that like sent them through the X-ray sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I had all these bags on a cart, and I push the cart up to the side of a machine and start oh but the machine wasn't running yet so I sort of had to wait a while but I start like kind of unloading them and at first I was the only person there so it wasn't a problem but then other people start coming in with their carts of bags and they just surround my cart like my cart cannot go anywhere now and I've got all the bags off onto the thing but but then I remember this one lady in particular. She's just sort of pushing her cart into my cart and saying, move, please, move, please. And I'm like, lady, where can I go? There's 50 carts surrounding me now. And in the end, I had to, like, because, I mean, basically I had to pull one of these, well, I'm the tallest man in the room sorts of things. Right, and I right. lift the cart up over my head and start picking spots to place my feet, you know, out through all these people, but it was like, really? We we haven't gotten a line? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean like I, I've been in situations like that too, and I've I'm generally the tallest person also, and I'll just kinda glare at somebody, you know, and they'll get it. Like 
And like, maybe they'll just like realize they're like, I'm not the kind of person that doesn't like a line and you're gonna wait in line behind me. <laughs> you know, but it's like, yeah, like, woo, please. It's like, really? And this is and this is exactly where I'm gonna lose it right now. You know, and like, I can choose not to lose it or I can be like, I'm just gonna, you know, like, I, and I can understand how you can be speechless, especially when it's like, hey, stop it. And then she's like, move, yeah. please. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Where can I move? Where can I move? And then imagine if she ran over your 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 foot with her cart or like hit you in yeah. the head with her like thing, yeah. Ac- accidentally maybe. But it's like, I told you not to do that. And then you ran over my leg, you know? Mm-hmm. So then you yeah. just flip out, grab a beer, <laughs> pop the door open and slide on out. <laughs> yeah. No. It's one of those things, though, where it's like uh, there must be, you know, some uh, some cultural, you know, drawback. I mean, because, you know, there's somebody uh, there was someone else there who was, you know, uh, Nepali or something in this situation who thought, oh, this is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Why are we why are we surrounding this guy? <laughs> and, and now nobody's car can move. But there must be some sort of like cultural drawback to to that guy stepping up and being like, "Hey, hey, everybody, form a line." And I wasn't gonna do it because, you know, I was I was clearly an outsider, and I didn't want to be you know yelling at people, telling them what to do. Right. You know. So it was just a, it was funny, but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I think it's just like too many people, you know? Like, if maybe if there's not so many people, it's like, all right, we'll wait in line. No big deal. But, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I'm sure this is like a, this, this must be a fun, like, segment of psychology, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know what people do. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's all sorts of things people study in the field of psychology, but I wonder if, like, lines are like a whole it, department, you know? It, it really ought to be. There ought to be some people doing their dissertations on, on what the hell the deal with uh, making a line or not making a line is, you know, and I think you know it's one of those things where if there is a line and one person cheats or three people cheat, they'll get away with it. Right. But if there's no line, if there's just sort of a mob, then no one can really cheat because everybody's kind of cheating, you know. It's I don't know. It's similar to the sort of like traffic thing, right? Like when you have to merge or whatever, and everybody's like zippering. Right, yeah. And then, like, one guy's yeah. like, no, I'm not going to zip her. Like, I'm just going to, like, yeah. get as far, as far ahead as possible. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, you, you jerk. Like, well, okay, <laughs> go jerks. ahead. I mean, you know, it's fine. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> but, you know, if everybody drove like you, we would be a lot less happy. Yeah. Then we would all be pulling the emergency slide. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a new expression, though. Oh, he pulled the emergency slide. <laughs> Maybe it'll replace going out. postal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you well, hear about the? There, uh, speaking of uh, workplace going postal, there was a beer-like distributor in like somewhere yeah, in New yeah, England or something like that. Who shot yeah, just like went crazy and shot a bunch of people. I guess he was stealing beer, apparently. Okay. But it sounds like there was a lot of weird details that, like, he was like the only minority in the entire office or something like that. Yeah. And he was like, he said he was like, oh, he was being discriminated against, but he never filed a grievance. But then it's like. That's a weird sort of relationship, right? Like, I mean, have to have to report a grievance to your work. Like, I would just be like, you're annoying, I'm gonna fire you. But then of course you can't, because that's right. like the worst thing you can do as an employer. But then it's like the awkward, it's like a very awkward relationship now. 
Yeah. So I don't know. Well, hopefully they have a, I mean, like, ideally they would have something like a human resources department that's independent of the, you know, of the sort of executive structure. Right, right, right. And so you could, uh, I mean, I guess, I don't really know. Like, at, at your company, does the human resources have any sort of check, like actual power over, uh, you know, over, uh, uh, managers and stuff like that of, of projects or, or even executives? Well, I, not really. I mean, I think when it comes to staffing, it's like, you know, is this person going to be employed here or whatever? Like, they could really, I think they can say, you know, this person did something and our policy is this and they're gone. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think actually my old company, apparently somebody brought a gun to work, True. but not like in, in a threatening manner at all. More like, oh, like I bought this gun, you know, or like, you know, he's a sportsman or something like that. So I don't know, some completely harmless way of bringing a gun, you know. I, I don't know what that is, but, you know, maybe you just bought a handgun and you want to go shoot at the range or something like that. And you wanted to bring in and show a coworker who was also yeah. a gun enthusiast or something like that. And you, I think he had it on the parking lot or something like that. And then somebody got word of it. And it's like the next day he was gone. And it's just like... I think everybody knew that it was harmless or whatever, but it's at the same time, it's like, you just can't, like, this is a gigantic corporation. There's no, like, rule, there's no lines. I mean, there's no, right. like, sort of leeway. You know, like, maybe if right. it was a really small company, be like, hey, man, you really can't do that. It makes everybody uncomfortable. But when it's a really big company, it's like, no, you bought a gun, you brought it to work, you're not working here anymore. That's it, you're gone. Yeah. So, I, and, like, I think when it comes to that, they'll, like, really, they'll really yank people if so but what if that had been you know the the cfo yeah i think he just would have been gone well yeah. okay yeah i mean maybe maybe when he gets that high up there's a lot of like sort of like politics and stuff but i think when it comes to the majority of people like unless it's like the top six or seven people in the company i think it's like you know you're gone that's it yeah but that's the i mean that's a weird thing it's like you've got then you've got a this weird class structure built into your Built into your business, you well, know, there are different rules that apply. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just speculating. Also, I'm not really mm-hmm. sure. It might be that if the the CFO brought a gun in accidentally, that he'd be gone. Also, it might be. But you're totally right. At the same time, it's like, you know, when you're at a big company, or even let's say you have a company of like uh, 100 people or 200 people, and you see the CEO, like you know, you it's it's just this weird like sort of respect. You know, it's like, oh hey, what's up? Or like, let's say. Um, like, like at my company, it's like a couple thousand people now, and the CEO is on my floor. And let's say we were going into the bathroom, I would definitely, or or the break room, or whatever it happens to be, I would definitely like, oh oh hey, I would hold the door open for him, you know, like like sort of out of respect, not even intentionally, just like oh you're the CEO, oh my gosh, you know, like how often do I see you? Not very often, and you're like you know a big wig kind of guy. Bow to the king. Exactly right. But like you, he wouldn't ask you to do that and he would be nice about it and everything, but it'd be like kind of like this weird sort of like, when you see him, you walk straighter, you know, you work harder. But, but I mean, does the, <laughs> uh, but the, do the rules apply to the CEO or the CFO or the CTO? Well, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I have no idea, but if they mm-hmm. didn't. You know, if for some reason they didn't, like, I just, like, I don't even know, but I speculated that they, that they would get away with a little more. And it didn't really bother me either. Because I, for some reason, really? just like, it just felt natural that like, yeah, all right, the CEO should get away with, a, not should get away with it, but I would be like, oh, yeah, like, I guess he could like do whatever he wants. Or he could like, you know, if he wanted, if he asked me to get a coffee, I would probably get him a coffee. 
<laughs> right. Well, that's, I mean, that's sort of the, the managerial uh, hierarchy, right? But I feel like, I feel like you want the same rules to apply to everyone. So if, I mean, if, you know, uh, uh, if the CEO brings a gun to the parking lot to show the CFO, you know, like, sort of like, hey, look at my new, you know, laser scope that I got for my rifle, I, and that's against the rules, I feel like that, you know, the consequences have to be the same. No, you're, you're totally right. But uh, for me, for some reason, I just didn't, it didn't occur to me that they would be the same. I think, like, it's almost like he sets the rules, right? When you're that high up, yeah, <laughs> you get to set the rules, right? Because it's your company. Well, you know, uh, uh, well, but the thing is, a lot of CEOs these days aren't, it's not their company. You you're know, right. You're uh, right. You're they right. might get like stock options as part of their their pay deal or something, but they didn't start the company. They didn't, you know. But uh, it's interesting. One of the things that I'm working on here in you know it's a very new uh, business here, and so we're just developing a lot of things. One of them is the the policy handbook. Basically, the 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 HR director is looking for people to help out design this sort of thing and uh, one of the things I was working on was just the uh, the reimbursement policy and like you know travel reimbursement and uh, and all that sort of thing and uh, and one of the suggestions was well there should be different amounts of travel reimbursement and per diem and stuff for like different levels of seniority and employment whoa and, and I was sort of like I don't think so. Like, I just, I just fundamentally disagree with that. You know, like if, if you have a, a reimbursement policy, it should be the same for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Not like, Oh, well this guy, you know, because he is, uh, uh, you know, level one, three manager or something gets to fly to Nairobi and this guy has to take a bus because he's, you know, whatever. Well, it's it's weird, I guess, because like, uh, you know, like at some point the executives there, especially in a big company, I mean, not giving them any more worth than they than they deserve. I'm just saying, like, their time is just worth more than than somebody whose job is not that. You know, it's like if you're the CEO and you're running this gigantic company, you just have to be in a, a bunch of different places. You know, at the same time, and having right. a jet is the only way to get there. It sounds like this total like entitled, you know, like thing to say. But at the same time, it's like you know, you can't have more than one CEO. And maybe you, you know, you have some executive officer officers to help you out. But at the same time, it's like when you're leading a corporation that's so large, you just have to be in certain places. And and, and maybe you know, maybe it boils down kind of like to you guys also. It's like when you're the person who's like. You're the operational person for for your kind entire country, let's just say, you know. So you have to be in these different cities, day in, you know, like one day you're here and one day you're here and one day you're here. And if you're wasting a day on the road, you're just not as effective. Right, but I mean, I think in 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 the case of something like you know a, a major corporation like Dolby or whatever, they they would reimburse that that travel, right, for the CEO. But I mean, if if there's work related travel. For anyone else, I think they they would probably give them you know if 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 you had to to be in Tucson, they would fly you there. Right. I guess right. maybe it's just a distinction in class and the way you get there. 
Like yeah. maybe, like I think I th- the way I heard you saying it is like if one person, like maybe the, the the head guy takes the plane there and then somebody else takes a bus there. Yeah. Like they'll send you to Nairobi, but you're just not going to get there quicker. Or you'll yeah. get there slower and it might cost you a little less. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, that, that was the, that was the suggestion, but I mean, to say that, I don't know, any, I mean, in this, this organization that I work for is very new, and, and the, you know, the hierarchy at this point, uh, really isn't there. Right, you right. Know, there's, uh, uh, but, um, but to say that, you know, one person has to be on a, a eight or nine or ten hour bus ride, and another person takes a one hour Flight. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it ought to be one or the other, you know. But that's just my feeling. Yeah, I think it's it's tough. I think it's just. I guess it depends on. Maybe it's just a, maybe it's something that like it's a it's a thing that could take could be in place, but I wouldn't put it in the manual. I guess I would just it would just become like a, a call situation, right? Like let's say you have to be in Nairobi, and then you're you know the guy three levels up. If there's even that much hierarchy at all, needs to be in Nairobi also. But then he needs to be in some other city the next day, and you don't. Right. You know, right. it's like so okay, well, buy, yeah, it's like sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like maybe we could just make a judgment call on that, and then you know, but we won't make it like a policy that he gets to go comfortably and you don't. Right. Right. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I've got uh, I've got two other topics. These are, these are, I'm just going to read them out. Bike lanes in San Francisco. And number two, elephant down. Which should we go with? <laughs> Let's go with, uh, we go with, oh, I don't know. It's a tough one. <laughs> well, let's, let's uh, start with bike lanes in San Francisco. All right, all see, right. See where that goes. So I just, I just saw that after four years or something, of being held in limbo by one guy, uh, they are now painting bike lanes on something like 40 streets in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on the oh, and, and it cost some the city something like two million dollars to do the uh, environmental impact statement of the bike lanes. Yeah. Um, uh, your thoughts. I think it's a good thing. I, I think actually, you know, I read a, I read an article about this a while ago, and apparently there's some guy who is totally anti bike for some reason. So yeah. like you said, he held up this whole. They were gonna do it. They were gonna do it four years ago, but for some reason he sued the city, and he said they hadn't done the proper environmental in, impact report. And it's like which I don't think they had. Well, they, they hadn't. Had but I mean, like, why do you need to do an EIR for bike lanes? You know, well, I mean, his his argument was that more bikes would be mean more automobile traffic, not in terms of quantity, but in terms of like speed. Uh, it would there would be like slower cars and and uni they would be stuck more, and right. so there would be an environmental impact there. But it seemed like that wasn't really his argument. He just didn't want to have the bike. Exactly, bikes, exactly. Know, and I think slower. the irony is that he got. It didn't work. It, it worked the worst. It actually worked opposite of what he wanted. He now, they spent four years actually getting a ton of money and doing a lot of planning, and now there's going to be even more bike lanes, and they're going to be even more. They're like restriping a lot of the streets and making this huge bike plan. 
and it's good. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. And actually, uh, recently, I started riding my bike to work. Nice. Yeah, so I, I ride my bike about three or four days a week, depending on like uh, you know just if I need to go somewhere after work, I'll drive or something like that, or you know if I'm not working that day or something. But uh, yeah, I rode my bike to work today, and I you know uh, it takes me about 20 minutes there and 20 minutes back, maybe a little That's less good, yeah. cause it's downhill and, and a little more because uphill back. But it's like pretty cool, and I think the the most interesting part of it is that is is when I encounter bike traffic. Yeah, because everybody's like kind of coming home at like six thirty or seven because they're taking Caltrain or whatever, and it's like yeah, today there was like seven or eight like bicyclists all like lined up on uh, on Grove Street right by the uh, by City Hall, and we're oh, all yeah. at the, we're all at the light, you know, and it's like it was kind of weird. It's like well, who's faster, you know? Like I mean, should I go to the front or should I wait back here because I, I'll have to pass all these people and stuff like that. So it felt kind of cool, and I think it's cool they're painting all these bicycle lanes. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think so too. But hopefully, also the the bike community becomes more responsible as cyclists. You know. Yeah. Because I think some of the, some of the worst offenders in terms of you know running red lights, cutting around people, cutting in front of pedestrians, and whatever with cyclists. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it's funny because I've sort of like. I don't necessarily do that per se, but I definitely like uh, leave early on red lights and stuff like that. I'll like if I get up to an intersection, I'll look left, look right, and if it's red, but there's no cars coming, I'll just go anyway. Right. You yeah, know, but at like, least you look. Exactly. I'm not gonna just like blow into an intersection because I'm just worried about getting killed, really. Yeah. But <laughs> which I mean, which which some people do, and then and then actually the skateboarders just like fly right through them. Right, right, right. Like, oh my god, those guys have death wishes. And it's weird to me that I haven't seen more, you know, news of a skateboarder getting creamed. Right, right. Because you know? they will they will be going down uh, the street outside where I, I was living, Hyde, which is one way, and they will go and at, on a red light they will turn up another one way street. Like to you know just turn into the one way street, right? Going right. the wrong way, and it's like really like <laughs> that's just the worst idea. <laughs> but but yeah, it's oh weird because well. because uh, I've been like now I'm sort of like in traffic and it's kind of weird because there's like you know cars everywhere and you're a little worried about it, but at the same time it's like you kind of want to establish your presence and like take up a lane and like kind of like. Hey, I'm here, you know, like, don't mess with me. Yeah. But but it's weird because, like, especially when you have to turn, you know, like, it's fine when you're going straight, but then I have to, like, turn left onto a street. Yeah. So it's like, uh, hold on, there's, like, a siren coming by. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, these are the soundproof studios of uh, San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like you have to kind of get into the lane and basically like cut across traffic. And it's, I mean, like all this, it's like, do I do that and like basically slow up traffic and get and mess with the cars and stuff? Or do I like basically turn into a pedestrian when I want to do that and go across the crosswalks? So I don't know. It's I, I find myself sort of weaving in and out and kind of like being, I don't know, a little more present in the traffic than I would want to be. And maybe, maybe like, you know, angering some, some, some motorists also. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. You know what I had an idea for? This was actually an idea for uh, for motorcycles, uh, but it would work for bicyclists too. It would be uh, just sort of a, a gyro-stabilized 
horizontal bar with like reflectors or taillights on. So for, for motorcycles, the gyro stabilization would be more key, but basically it just gives you a wider profile with light. Right, right, and, right, right. Uh, and just to take up a bit more of the lane. But I don't know that motorcyclists would like it because it then they couldn't go through traffic. Right, right, fast. right, right. But, yeah. uh, but maybe for bicyclists, like a shorter version, you know, but just a wider reflector, wider light kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, because it's weird, it's weird though, because like if you get in the traffic, you can't go as fast as cars, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's almost more dangerous to get in the traffic and go slower, right? You know, yeah. and here you are like in the middle lane or the left lane and you're going like, you know, whatever, however, however fast you could possibly go, 12, 15 miles an hour, you know, because the next intersection you want to make a light, a left, but everybody's like sort of weaving around you and stuff. Yeah. It's very strange, but it's a very different experience. I haven't ridden my bike. I, I rode my bike to high school uh, every day, but like I haven't ridden my bike so much since and it's just it's kind of a weird sort of like i feel like much younger actually it's just kind of fun to go out there and ride your bike you know <laughs> nice, nice so it's kind of cool That's yeah it's like a, it's, and also i mean you're getting 40 minutes of cardiovascular exercise day That's i'm definitely good. yeah i've definitely lost just a little i've lost like a couple pounds i think just because of that nice yeah it's cool nice. do you have a comfy bike seat I do actually. That was one thing uh, I I didn't do it this time, but like uh, a couple of years ago, I was riding my bike down in San Diego, and I think I went on a long ride just because I felt like going for a long ride, and and I came back and like things were numb. <laughs> Sweet. Just gonna put it that way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, this is awful. Like, oh my gosh, you know, like. I was like basically like doing the thing where you like kind of pedal, but you're not like you're kind of like standing up pedaling, you know? Yeah. And it was just, ah, oh, it's really uncomfortable. You know? <laughs> and I asked my friend, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like I went on this really long ride. Like, I, I, how do you do it? Like, I couldn't even do it. Like, it was so painful. He's like, oh, you got to get this kind of seat, you know? And like basically, it's a seat which has like this sort of like big channel down the middle. It's almost like two separate two separate pieces yeah. and they're sort of like connected way down in the, um, yeah. below the seat. So it leaves some room for for breathing. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> blood vessels, for breathing, for some flow. I see. I see. That's good. <laughs> it is good. It is good. <laughs> we have a little more detail than we wanted today on the irregular search for truth. We've we've found a truth that we didn't want to know about. <laughs> well, if you want another truth, actually, one thing that I did is I went to, because, so, you know, I, rid, I hadn't ridden my bike in a long time, so I went uh, and had it tuned up. So I had been riding my bike to work for about a month before this, and I was like, man, I'm like, I'm working really hard here, you know, and like, I'm getting passed by like two thirds of the people on the road. And in general, it's weird, but I'm just not used to being the slowest person. Like I've always, I'm always the faster person out there, you know, whether it's driving, though I have no control over that. I, I mean, though it's not really anything to do with my physical ability, I can just put my, put the accelerator down. I just generally drive faster than most people, but like I can usually swim faster than most people. I can usually walk faster than most people, you know, so I'm not used to being passed all the time. And I'm like, what is going on? All these people are passing me. And like one time, this one guy, like he was kind of older than I was, like probably in like his mid forties. He was like, we're going uphill. He had like one arm on, he was just like holding a handlebar as one arm. And he was like passing me, like not even working. I'm like, okay, okay, something is wrong here. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I, I went and had my bike tuned up, and like it had been a while, so he like sort of adjusted the brakes and like you know like added oil to the chain and things like that. But one of the things he did was he he increased the tire pressure on my tires. I think I had it at like 40 or 45, and he said it really should be like 70, which is like way a huge difference, right? And yeah. just like they say in your car, like it really improves the efficiency. So like I was now I'm like much faster. Like it just it's I can coast now or whatever. But the downside is the ride is much stiffer. You know, like you feel mm -hmm. a lot more of the vibrations. Right. right. Which is to say shock absorbers. Exactly. And I don't have any shocks on my on my bike. So uh, you know, that's another reason to have a nice seat. <laughs> So, uh, do you have? Is it a mountain bike? It is. Right? It's a mountain bike. Yeah. Okay. So no, no road tires or anything. Like no, that. no. And that was so one. One thing I did when I was riding it that one time way back in San Diego for a couple months is I actually just got thinner tires because like mountain okay. tire, mountain bike tires can be kind of knobby and big. Yeah. But but road tires like really really skinny and I don't think my my bike would really support such skinny tires. So I kind of got like the skinniest tires I could fit on my on my on my wheels. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I can get there in 20 minutes and for the most part, I'm going as fast as I think I could possibly go. So it's pretty good. Nice. Nice. All right, man. Well, I, I sort of have to start getting ready for work. Okay. So I'm, I think maybe we should, uh, sign it off. Yeah. Say thank you to our faithful listeners. They've been faithful for a long time. If they're still listening to us now, <laughs> Well, this has been the irregular search for truth. I'm Scott. And I'm Sachin. Take it easy, people. Take it easy. <laughs>